everybody welcome back this is i've seen you now on episode four bit of a left turn and talk with local athlete here in boulder county with me christopher schroeder chris how's it going man how are you it's going good it's just another beautiful day in boulder the athlete lifestyle hasn't really changed much for me with these interesting times i still get out i still ride my bike i still do what i need to do Kind of maybe a blessing and a curse, uh, I guess, if you're ready to get the uh, long solo miles, you know, get those base miles in. I've seen you've made the shift over to gravel, uh, gravel racing as well now. Plenty of time to enjoy just turning the pedals. Social distancing, you know, cycling, the original social distance, right? Talk to me about the shift to gravel. Uh, that's, you know, you're not the only triathlete that I've seen make that uh, jump, but you get down, you went down to Oklahoma a couple weeks ago, uh, just before everything got shut down for the season of racing. Dabbling into some different disciplines now. Yeah, so gravel is a really, it was a lot of interesting stuff going on in relation to gravel where it all of a sudden kind of came just out of nowhere, this massive new thing. And what I saw was that there was a lot of people going to gravel for the same reason that they once went to triathlon for this new, very crazy, very radical challenge. The problem was that people were all going to gravel, but they weren't ever coming back to triathlon. And I come from a cycling background. I'm a huge fan of professional cycling. I'm, I would say I'm a bigger fan of cycling than I am of triathlon, um, even though that that's what I do professionally. Once gravel started really picking up, I just started to kind of look and pay more attention to it. And then this Oklahoma race came up and I was like, oh, it's February 15th. Don't really have any plans that weekend. And I think it was probably Wednesday morning and the race was on Saturday that my partner messaged me. She's like, hey, I found a bike I can use if you still want to do the race. And then Thursday night, we're driving to Oklahoma. We were able to do that race. And it really opened my eyes to something completely different for a lot of reasons. I've never seen such a community around a sporting event or even just sporting industry where you kind of just show up and it's like you're just indoctrinated into a giant group of friends instantly. And it's such a different vibe than triathlon because gravel is not meant to be competitive. It's not meant to have winners and losers. It's just something that everyone's going to do. Like everyone's just there to finish the ride. So it makes it so everyone just wants you to finish the ride just as much as they do. Versus triathlon, you know, everyone's all about PRs and fastest time and qualifying for Kona. All of a sudden, I'm doing this 85 mile race where everyone just wants to talk and be friends. So that was really just mind blowing how different the vibe was. Because of that race and the result that I was able to get there, I kind of was able to grab this market share of, I'm gonna be the professional triathlete that's gonna help gravel brands market to triathletes switching over. And I was really able to just kind of notice that while, when it was happening and kind of lean into it. Through that, it just has been this massive opening to all these different brands to work with and race directors. And it's just been such a great experience, even for only like two months that I've been doing it. Well, that's super cool. And I, I can definitely understand and see that draw, you know, what what initially took, uh, you know, athletes to to consider, even, you know, the off the couch people, you know, maybe they didn't consider themselves athletes to consider a triathlon, you know, complete this this trifecta of the different sport, you know, type things that you can do, on, you know, as an individual. And I can relate and see a lot of that in gravel is that people got a, a, a family, a home life, you know, you spend a lot of money on the bike, you don't want to go do crit racing and ruin the bike, or you're not going to drive to some farm town to do a a pavement race and have trucks buzzing by you gravel just kind of checks that unique box and uh yeah it is really cool that it's it's still about 
the the journey and the accomplishment at the end of it more so than uh, skinny tires and lycra or you know like you say you know getting getting drawn into you know the PRs and you know having to hit that new milestone and you know watch all three aspects of you know your triathlon form and everything there so uh, it's pretty cool uh, to see that pull you over then also to be cognizant and kind of straddle that line between being a professional triathlete and also getting in and having some fun uh, in the gravel sector so yeah and it's been it's been interesting because you know I tell myself you know the route is you know five years I've been a professional triathlete and it's been a very clear line and ever since that gravel race it's almost like every day that goes by that line becomes slightly more blurred and I just, you know every day I start to love gravel a little bit more so all of a sudden I'm, I'm kind of going through this like you know right now I'm just going through this kind of you know internal question mark of what am I where do I want to go do I potentially love this more than what I've been doing you know what's making so I have a lot of questions in my head that I'm just going through right now because of how shocked I was at gravel I think that's common uh, for many, many athletes as they evolve and maybe get into something that's, you know, this isn't a total turn, but it's a, another segment. You say you come to triathlon as a cyclist. So, you know, having the continuation of the bikes, cycling and bikes are just so cool that it can be a tool to do so many different things, uh, whether that's being a top level triathlete or it's diving in the gravel riding or all the other just, you know, transport and this time in the era, everyone's saying, you know, bike shops are essential because they're transportation. So, you know, being able to carry that through and see the, the opportunities it presents as well as the opportunity and the challenge to ask yourself what you want to do. What drew you to triathlon in the first place? So it was an interesting time in my life because my family had actually just moved to New York City and I was still in high school at the time. And a lot of people don't realize that New York City has a massive cycling culture and it's a very big sport there. And I didn't initially find that, but somehow um, some old Ironman coverage popped up on YouTube when I was just flipping by one day. And the initial just crazy challenge of what a full Ironman is is definitely what kind of got me to all of a sudden go, what is this sport? And then look in a little bit more. And then I was able to go and get a bike and start training. And so, I mean, I didn't even know how to swim when I first started doing the sport. I, you know, jumped in like the pool that my building had and with some baggy swim shorts on and goofy looking goggles and no swim cap and was barely able to swim 50 meters. And then it just kind of slowly, ever, you know, slowly got a little bit better, slowly kind of learned a little bit more. But because there was such a big community of cycling in New York City, from the gun, I was able to enter into a community that really helped me learn i mean you know it's kind of embarrassing though when you're like 16 years old trying to be super good at cycling but you're riding with this group of 70 year old you know men and women that just like to you know slowly pedal their bike around central park but somehow that's all you're able to keep up with so you, you know it kind of taught me just the especially on the bike you learn really quickly oh i can't go with the group i want to be with because i'm only going to get a mile down the road and i'm going to be dropped so i have to just you know bide my time riding with the old folks learning you know how to be safe and how not to be sketchy and then i move up to a little bit faster group and a little bit faster group and that's uh just kind of how i was able to learn it and then going into uh college coming to boulder going to cu and boulder and cu are such hotbeds for not only triathlon but endurance sport which is fantastic because honestly no matter what level you are at if you're in boulder there's someone better than you i can relate to that for sure man and that's which just means that you're always being pushed so that really like that really kind of pushed me forward especially when i first came to boulder just showing like i mean even just seeing you know people that i idolize and seeing you know oh this person get you know gets in the pool before everyone else they never get out early and they do the workout exactly as it is you know just seeing what they do and how they you know embody that true professional 
whole spirit when it comes to training, you know, was really inspiring to me when I first came to Boulder, and that kind of really pushed me to become a professional. Well, that's super cool. Yeah, I mean, Boulder is definitely a unique beast. Any any kind of endurance athletics, yeah, you know, anything where altitude can play a part, whether for training or competing. Uh, I remember coming up, uh, I moved here in 2014, and Texas, where I'm from, it's it's one of those places, you know, it's an oddball place to have a strong community. And there was a great cycling community that I grew up with in North Texas, but then coming up, up here in the Boulder, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to jump into the cyclocross race. I just got my butt handed to me left, right, and center. It, it was just a whole nother world getting up here, going out, you know, finding a group ride, and then to see Taylor Finney just chilling on the front crushing absolutely everyone in a ride uh you know it's it's just yeah it's a uh, hashtag boulder it's it's what goes on here is that there's always somebody there's a bigger dog there's always someone that can rip your legs off so stay humble right <laughs> yeah and that's what I, it's hard to describe to people like you really have to come to boulder to understand just the beast that training here is and what it can do to you because it, it goes two ways you know if, if you come here and you're not ready you know boulder can absolutely chew you up and spit you out you know if you come here thinking you're you know the hot stuff you're the, you're the hot person on the block you're going to have a rude awakening when you realize everyone that's here is just as damn good as you are. Yeah. All right. So I, I see one of your, uh, maybe it's seasonal, but one of your favorite writing pieces is this red and white Supreme vest. Is there is there a story on this vest? I didn't even know Supreme threw their label on anything you would use for cycling. Oh, no. That vest is awesome in every way, but it's about as fake as you can get in every way. Um, <laughs> no, I have a, a friend in California that is, you know, that true embodiment of that hipster cycling vibe you know that fixie rider with the awesome art tattoos that just you, you look at him and you're like you know what that's a, it's a sweet lifestyle he um, is using his art capabilities to basically make cycling stuff that says supreme and Louis Vuitton on it in awesome ways shout out to him he, if you guys go on uh, Instagram it's plug on standby is his uh, Instagram account and he'll do like these just limited runs of vests and stuff that, that are all supreme oriented and coming from New York I've always loved a little bit of fashion it's just part of the lifestyle there so so it was, when, when he started doing this, I was like, dude, that's just the coolest thing ever. I got to have it. I got to bring some fashion in my cycling. And let's be honest, vests are like the greatest thing for cycling because they just does the job so well. And it like all weather, you can wear a vest. It still blocks the wind, keeps you warm. And it's, you know, it's pretty photographic. So I kind of, I'm wearing it most of the time. I take like serious photos. Well, I like it. It stands out. I'm, I'm definitely a fan of red and just that little bit of pop of color there. And that's definitely a, vol a bold piece. So we'll make sure we'll link the Instagram uh, uh, handle there for your buddy and the post. And yeah, keep a lookout for uh, for our man Chris running around in this red and white Supreme cycling vest. But in Boulder, I mean, uh, what, 11 months out of the year should have a vest at minimum with you. Even, yeah. even if you're going higher altitude riding, go Mount Evans, you know, July, August, whenever the warmest time to go up there. And you're still going to have the gloves and the vest or the gilet and you know the arm warmers and all the pieces that you would normally like to pack away i mean in texas it's the opposite it was you know 11 months of the year we didn't need any of that stuff it's one of those learning curves for sure making sure you have the right gear um which is almost always all of the gear <laughs> yeah it's hard to explain to people that you know i might have to go for a ride and i might start the ride in 90 degree weather and then i'm going to climb up to you know, even somewhere near Boulder, I might just go up to peak to peak, but I'm going to need to bust out the vest when I'm up there because it could be 40 degrees and windy. I love being able to run away from summer. That's that's definitely something that, that's a treat. Growing up in Texas with the heat there, come here to Colorado, you get tired of the heat in the summer. First, we don't have any humidity. We can just go sit in the shade and enjoy that. But, you know, yeah, we run up to peak to peak, go to Ward or Jamestown, you know, do a 100K bike ride and go through 
you know, a wide range of temperatures and even, uh, you know, even climate and such. So uh, always, always interesting. So what was it that brought you to Boulder from New York? New York is an area that's near and dear to my heart. I got engaged there and I love going back anytime I can. And I have lots of friends there. But what drew you to somewhere like Boulder? Uh, it was definitely it, uh, the college is what brought me to Boulder. Well, so I would say, I guess it would really be two things. It's Boulder brought me to Boulder because of the Mecca that it is. You know, as someone aspiring to be a professional at the time, I really, the town and the history of sport and the great athletes that are here and come from here really made me want to come here. But then at the time, which was like 2013, 2014, 2015, the CU triathlon team was really head and shoulders above everyone else. Rudy Von Berg came through the program, David and quite a few other, you know, national champions were all coming through this program. And... I didn't really at the time understand that I didn't make the coalition because what it was is that the CU Triathlon, you know, it's just a club. Anyone can just join and you all take part just kind of for fun. And I didn't make the coalition that it's actually Boulder's training and the athletes in Boulder that Rudy's training with that allowed him to become such a phenomenal athlete that allowed him to win a national championship. So it was kind of a weird awakening when I showed up to the Boulder Triathlon Club and realized that 99% of the kids there had never done a triathlon before and were just looking for some people to go outdoors with and drink with. So all of a sudden I was like, wait, how is this the best program in the country? And then I realized, okay, no, actually, you know, the program is you go join one of the local gyms, you swim with their squad, you run with the different the squads, you know, you have your own coach that teaches you how to cycle, and then you happen to participate with this triathlon club. So that was kind of like the interesting realization when I first came to Boulder of what exactly makes the athletes here so great. Interesting. So yeah, it wasn't necessarily the club. The club just happened to be where the athletes needed to be to be successful and to reach that level. Because even now, you know, plenty of athletes, you know, I, I very quickly got woken up to it and learned, you know, lots and lots of names, especially, you know, guys on the pro triathlon circuit that, you know, spend a lot of time around Boulder that you see them out riding everywhere and all the time. And uh, I, I've seen some pretty darn skinny triathlon tires, uh, triathlete tires on on the gravel and on the dirt you know it's uh a lot of boulder guys just say yeah. it's just it's just riding a bike in boulder uh, any surface you can get onto it's a road that's safe you go ride yeah which is a big thing now is just that you know going off the normal beaten track because safety is one of the things that's really interesting with kind of dirt road and gravel is that there's a lot of people that are doing it for the safety aspect because of the lack of traffic and the safer vibe around it. And how do you see that? I mean, in relation to cutting your teeth, learning now, getting into riding and cycling in New York, you know, I've, I've ridden in uh, Central Park, uh, definitely a beautiful space, uh, not a ton of traffic, but that's a, it's a small little island effectively. Oh, you know. Central Park, I can't even, so my first ever bike crash was in Central Park. I think it was probably like pretty soon right after I had gotten a bike, I didn't realize that if you want to ride a bike fast in Central Park, don't go at 2 p.m. on a nice sunny day because there'll be about a million people walking around that little six mile circuit. <laughs> people don't really realize this, but if you're in the city, it only takes you about six miles to go up, up the city and over the GWB. And then you're in these amazing New Jersey roads. Well, I guess it's, it's New Jersey and New York. Um, just roads on the other side of the Hudson that are just beautiful roaming roads, which really are just fantastic for riding and really enjoyable in every way. That's a lot of what uh, like New York Grand Fondo course follows, right? Uh, out Palisades, up towards Bear Mountain, is it? Exactly, yeah. Palisades and Bear Mountain is phenomenal cycling territory where, um, I mean, so many good athletes there, that, like that's their ride. You know, they go across the GWB, they ride over to Palisade or they'll ride over to Bear Mountain, which is a pretty big ride leaving from the city, but it's great riding and it's really enjoyable. 
Very cool. Well, yeah, there's always surprises. It's, you know, it depends, you know, what your, your passion, you know, how you want to get into it, uh, spend the time, you know, as I mentioned in, you know, North Texas, there's, there's a fantastic cycling community. Uh, and I, I will say as much as I love living in Boulder, uh, I have no desire to live in Texas again, uh, just being away from the weather and everything. I do miss the cycling community. So shout out to the, the Dallas area cycling community, you know, certainly piece that I, you know, I, I didn't value enough when I was there. Uh, definitely. Uh, I do miss that, uh, the weekly racing, the, the camaraderie, the five-day-a-week group rides in the evenings and everything around it. So every every community, every region has its different uh, different followers and groups, and you got to find where it is. Sometimes it's, you know, a little hidden, you know, getting into that group and, uh, you know, getting getting into a new, uh, new riding culture and family. And it's interesting learning about different riding cultures and families like the Legion of Los Angeles, which is, um, for people that aren't familiar with cycling, is a uh, domestic crit racing team. Two brothers started out of Los Angeles to kind of help. I, the initial goal was to diversify crit racing, and just what that team does is so phenomenal, where they just dominate crit racing in California. And you'll watch some of their videos that they put up of just physical riding, you know, shoulder bumping, elbow bumping, kind of just pushing and just, it really gives you an, an insight to cycling that you don't really see. It's just, California just has these aggressive crits, which is just not what we have in Boulder and, you know, completely different than what you might have in Texas. So it just shows, you know, how different cycling communities are across the country. Yeah, yeah it reminds me, uh, my, my track racing days that you get on a velodrome and I mean, it is, uh, it is common. Everyone loves to, to throw out there. If you ain't bumping, you ain't racing. Um, you know, it's uh, go fast, turn left. It's a NASCAR on two wheels. And it is, you know, it really teaches you how to handle a bike. I credit a lot of my bike handling to the years I grew up racing on the track. Uh, Superdrome, Frisco, Texas, rest in peace. We miss you. <laughs> yeah. Before track uh, got taken away to, to become a parking garage for a college there. But still amazing opportunities. And, uh, you know, I encourage anyone, if you haven't ridden a velodrome, to get out there um, especially if you're in boulder you know if you're in boulder please go out to the boulder valley velodrome we just the boulder valley velodrome just became it's a privately owned entity where it's going to be there for years and years now i have some track experience we actually went out there with my girlfriend one of the guys there was able to take her from having never ridden a track bike to being able to do some hot laps around the circuit and i highly recommend it to anyone going out there and trying a fixie and just experiencing because riding a fixie is like the purest form of riding a bike there's just, there's no other way to describe how amazing it is to ride a fixie. Yep, I agree. I agree. It's a direct transmission, you know, and it is. Yeah, yeah you you don't forget to stop pedaling because if you do, you wake up quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. So, did you ride the track up in uh, in New York? I was it, is it Kissina that's in that region? Yeah, we have one in Brooklyn, I believe. But I actually didn't ride track while I was there. I didn't start riding a track bike. Okay, I've only run, ridden a track bike, you know, a couple times all on the track, and that was all when I was a freshman in college, just kind of trying it out with the cycling team. And then I go whenever I can. I like to go because I, I really do enjoy riding it, and it's just something that's, like I said, it, it's so different riding a track bike, and just the way it, it really teaches you just to be efficient, and really teaches you how to actually pedal a bike in an efficient way. So I do try and get out there and do it as much as I can. It's just a phenomenal experience. It really is. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I echo your sentiment that anyone who hasn't ridden a velodrome, a cycling track, uh, if you have any opportunity, you come across one, 
try it out if you haven't. Um, it's uh, it connected me to a lot of communities, uh, gave me a lot of opportunities through college, and uh, definitely something that I, I need to uh, I need to get down to uh, Erie and go to the Boulder Velodrome a little more often for sure. Well, given uh, the you know the state of how how everything is up in the air right now with COVID, you know, were, were you looking at some other gravel races hopefully to do? You got stuff on the calendar that that, hope, that hasn't been canceled or you know you're looking forward to to be able to turn the corner uh, hopefully this summer so the plan um was actually to go to dallas uh, like march 22nd and they had my grabbers i was so excited for it was part of like the north american bike trade show or something along those lines yeah nab yeah and there was gonna it was the race was gonna be all about the trade show and around the, the area where it was and it was gonna be a phenomenal opportunity because you'd race in front of all these vendors and unfortunately that got pushed to august and then after that one got kind of pushed my schedule i kind of put a pause on making any sort of immediate plans right now dirty kansas hasn't been postponed which is may 31st so right now i'll probably i'm probably looking and just kind of focusing around the idea of racing dirty kansas on may 31st assuming it happens which kind of plays into my hands right now because all the pools and gyms in colorado are closed so I can't swim. So my kind of thought was instead of fighting a battle which I can't win, which is the fact that I can't train my swim for triathlon, we're kind of in the mindset of, all right, well, let's just go about as if Dirty Kansas is still going to happen, which as of right now, it's planning on happening. And they uh, announced that they'll officially will update everyone uh, May 1st. So I'm training and preparing for that. And I really hope it happens because I want to do that race so badly. That'll be cool. I uh, I plan to be out there professionally, working, not not riding. Uh, definitely outside of my abilities and skills uh, on the bike currently. You know, I, I hope to uh, get to see all the industry friends and colleagues out in Emporia. Uh, we'll be counting down the 30 days until they make the announcement, and let's all do our due diligence and social distancing and yeah. everything else to hopefully keep keep this cool event on the calendar without uh, influence. Well, man, uh, Chris, this has been been a lot of fun to catch up. I've seen you in my feed. It's great to have these, you know, common friends. And I see you have a number of friends that we have in common that it's cool to see the networks intertwine. But I hope we get to see each other out on the road, whether it's paved or gravel sometime, uh, or even the, you know, the wood surface of the velodrome. I, I hope you the best of luck for the season. Look forward to uh, seeing you down the way. All right, dude. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And I hope nothing but the best for this podcast going forward. I really hope it takes off. Uh, yeah, it'll be great to to see where it goes. Um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to life outdoors and with friends uh, taking over again. But maybe we'll move this to a lesser frequency. But it's fun, uh, fun to keep something positive going along the way. So, Chris, yeah. have a great one, man. Stay safe on the roads, and um, we will uh, we'll stay in touch. All right, man. Stay safe. I hope you have a good one.